Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and today we are bringing you Molly's story, and we are really excited to bring it to Mm -hmm. you. She is from Birmingham. We have known her for a while, and a little fun fact is that if you listen to last week's episode, Jahan... They are dear friends, and you will hear that in their stories. (laughs) Yeah, they they talk a lot alike. They Uh have a lot of uh, similarities within their stories as well. But I loved Molly's story because she just reminds us that God prepares us when He calls us to do something. And a lot of her story is about learning how to care best for her daughter who has Mm -hmm. dyslexia. But it's also about stepping out Mm -hmm. in faith and knowing that He is going to walk right alongside you. So I loved her story. And what I'm really excited about is that we have a story within the story with Molly, and she goes into detail about finding out about how her daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia. She gives such great advice to moms who might be struggling with that, parents who might be struggling uh, with that. And then she also goes into just this concept of, you know, stepping out of the boat and walking on the water when God calls you to. So I'm just excited that that's offered on Patreon today. So go to patreon.com slash STL community, and you can join us $5 a month or $10 a month, receive extra content and support Storytellers Live. Yes. And or you can even click it in the show notes. Yeah. And if you listen to our bonus episode about Patreon, then you know, our goal is to hit 100 patrons on Patreon in the next two months. So we'd love for you to join us over there. And here is Molly's story. So, hey, y'all, my name is Molly. Um, I am married to John. We've been married for 21 years. We have three daughters. We have two teenagers and a tween in our house right now. And we live in downtown Birmingham. Um, Where I was raised, I always feel the need to tell people I haven't lived here my entire life. But we did move back. We intended to come back for me to go to grad school after we lived in Washington, D.C. for four years and um, be here two years and go back. And that was 18, 19 years ago. So we never left, but we do live in downtown and um, love the city and try to be for the city. So um, I was raised in Birmingham. I'm the youngest of two daughters. So I'm the baby of the family. My sister is five years older than me, almost five years older than me. She would want to say she's not five years fully older than me. Um, And, you know, my sister and I are extremely different. I came out of the womb strong-willed. I really, there was no question that, that I was going to do things the way I wanted to do it. Even from infancy, I think my family has lots of fun, (laughs) somewhat shaming stories of um, things that I did as a child. But I, I do remember as a child, being really frustrated a lot. And I remember not feeling understood and as a result would really rage and have lots. I just remember being really angry. I just did not fit the mold. I didn't fit the mold that I think my family intended. I didn't fit the mold for children growing up in the late seventies, early eighties. I did not fit the mold. And frankly, I didn't care to fit the mold at all. Like that wasn't part of what I cared about. Like I said, there's lots of stories of me acting out, doing crazy stuff. But the one thing that my mom has talked about in the past, and I vividly remember is my first grade. I got in trouble pretty much every day for the first month of first grade. We really don't know how many times I was sent to the principal's office, but it was pretty much a daily, if not every other day situation where my mom was being called and having to come up to the school. And she tells the story of going into the principal's office and first grade teacher was waiting for her. And she said, 
well, what's going on today? My mom did. And my teacher, Miss Garlico said, well, I'll just put it this way. If I ever need a substitute, I do not need to call anyone to come and substitute because Molly could fully run the class. I have no doubt she would totally be in control. And that's when they started talking to them about having me tested and what did this look like. And so they talked about ADHD. I don't remember being tested. I don't know if I ever was. I'm pretty certain that I have ADHD. But I also know that one of the ways that they can tell ADHD is, you know, high IQ. And they they tested me. And apparently I tested high IQ. I used to accuse my mom of telling. I'd be one of those kids they would tell, oh, you're super smart and you really weren't. So that like they, they could do a social experiment to see if like you overachieved. But they, you know, told me that that was what it, um, that I was really, really smart. And basically they figured out that I was bored. And so I was getting bored. And then because I was ADHD, I was bored. I was getting done with my work. I was not interested in obedience because there's really nothing you could do to scare me into being, I mean, I was not going to be obedient. I was going to do what I wanted to do. And so really my parents were in survival mode most of the time. They didn't really know what to do with me. You know, they did the best they could. They chose not to medicate. I mean, this was the early 80s. And so the medication that they had was really, really dangerous. So anyway, they did the best they could do. But I just remember my faith at that time and growing up always knew about Jesus. And I knew that I was one of his children. My faith was action oriented. It was all works-based. I had to earn it. Grace was really non-existence in my brain. It was all justice. It was all the law. And there was a lot of shame competing with my, I could care less attitude as well as anger because I didn't feel understood. And so really the theme of my story is, you know, God's preparation, his timing and faithfulness to a kicking and streaming strong-willed, I ain't going to do it woman through her life, but particularly in 2020. As I look at God's preparation, so really have it you know, kind of organized in three different places. So preparation, timing, and faithfulness of God. I do want to prep that as I was writing this, I was using a lot of me statements and I statements, but also, you know, as I was reviewing it, it just was a reminder. It was all him. I'm look, I think back at the motivations of the things that I did and my motivation was not to get the things that he gave me. It was totally self-serving in a lot of things that I did. And also like situations that I was in were not really my own choosing. They were things that kind of happened and I ended up in this position. And now looking back on it, I was like, oh, he okay, now I see what he's doing. So we always have heard the saying, you know, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called, right? And that's kind of one of those contrite little sayings. But you know, I think a lot of times we think about Moses in that when God's telling him to go talk to Pharaoh and he's arguing with God that he certainly is not the person to do that. And I, I've always listened to that story and been like, yeah, I'm so the opposite of that. I really think I am not that person that's like contrite. No, God, you don't want me to do that. No, I am like the person I'm like, Peter, I'm going to kick in the door, cut off the ear, ask questions later. Like that's I'd run in with guns a blazing and then I have to draw back. And be like, oh, yeah, I totally did that in my own power, my own strength. And so I will say that that is the case in probably 99% of my life, with the exception of the things that I really don't ever want to do. And I'll tell you right now, before I even go into it, I never, ever, ever wanted to homeschool my children, ever. That was never part of my plan. Um, So, you know, from an early beginning, I know I'm totally a social justice girl, 
the people who know me well and really people who don't know me well are completely not surprised to find out that I am a total eight on the Enneagram. So um, I'm an eight with a seven wing. So I will tell you exactly how I feel, but I want to make sure you're having fun while I do it. From college into my career, I've always been strong socially justice focused. My grandfather was sheriff of our county. I have lots of family and law enforcement. I have that was always a theme through my life was fighting for the, the, the least of these before I even knew Jesus. It was like fighting for what was not right, right? I was, my motivation was justice. And so I've always had a job that was rooted in justice in my work and in nonprofits. Um, that's kind of my career. My husband equally is, is strong justice oriented. He's not an eight. He is a three. Um, but he is, he's one of the smartest men I know. I mean, I spent my summer at summer camp. He spent his summer working as an intern for the war crimes tribunal at the Hague. I mean, like, yeah. So (laughs) he is extremely smart, but he really cherishes knowledge and he's from a family of educators. That's just something that has always been a theme is, is education and knowledge. And, um, it's important to us. You know, before we even had children, I was thinking through just the different influences I had in my life. And I was really hungry for older women and for for just women to come alongside me in my faith and in my walk. And I got involved with an organization of homeschoolers, which was so random because I would tell them I have no intention of ever homeschooling, but it was called Mother Nurture at the time. And it was a group of women in Birmingham who just looked at education differently. And it resonated with me because as that child that was frustrated and felt like I didn't fit into the peg of just like common education, institutional education, I was exposed to these different pedagogies and philosophies of education that I just think as a child, I would have just been alive in them. It would have just allowed me to really flourish. So I really wasn't seeking to learn about education. I was seeking relationships, but yet I was exposed to all these ideas and resources. I met all sorts of women. Many of them I am still close to, and they influence my parenting and my education philosophies. Um, We actually started a school through that group, and I found myself president of the school board. So as someone who never was not in education, who cherished education, but was not in education and never wanted to homeschool my children, here I was president of a school board. And then I was reconnected um, through that group with a friend who at the summer camp I mentioned that I spent my summers at in 1985, she was actually one of my leaders and she's about 10 years older than me. Um, we reconnected in like nine, 2000. So, you know, 2000, 18 years ago before, like the actual story that I'm telling begins, but 20 years ago, 21 years ago, we reconnected and her name is Kathy. And she was just one of those women that just started walking with me. And um, we have done a lot of life together now and it's just been precious. And so about that time I was working for the local science center here in town and I had two children. And they were, I think they were three, they were three and one, four and one. And we were, I was working part-time and the leadership came and said, Hey, we want you to go full-time or no time. And I was like, Oh, no time. And I'm going to stay home with my kids. And, you know, I still want to work, but I need to be able to be home with them. And they're like, okay, well then we, you know, we're gonna have to find somebody else for your position. And so I remember walking into the school board meeting that we had that night of the school that we created. And we were talking about different things going on. I said, well, I really need y'all to pray because I think I lost my job today and I don't really know what I'm going to do. And one of the gentlemen that was on the board looked at me and he was executive director of a school in Fairfield, Alabama, which is 
uh, the urban urban part, the suburb. It's an urban suburb, so it's the inner city of Birmingham, but right outside the city line of Fairfield. And he said, "No, he goes, you need to come and work for me. I, I need somebody to do development. My background was in fundraising. I need somebody to do development, and I need somebody to do some college and career counseling. And I know that you cherish education, and so I want you to come and talk to us." So. I left the Science Center and I went to work at the school on the outskirts of Birmingham. They hired me as a fundraiser, but the other role I had was in college and career, as I said. And through that role, I was able, I learned about state standards, requirements, core credits, how to write lesson plans, how to teach, all the things. So it was really like learn on the job. I always have been an outside the box thinker. I'm one of those like analytical problem solvers. I love to see a problem and fix it. Also, kind of ironically, I've never had a job that I had a predecessor in. Every job I've ever had has been created, not necessarily for me, but they hired me to create the job. And so, and that was the case with this one as well. So really 12 years of on-the-job training is kind of what I was doing as I was writing the story, as I was going. And we had a lot of success with it. Um, We actually enrolled all three of our daughters at the school. And so they were going to the school. And now looking back at it, I really, I see how God has been, you know, he's prepared us because we chose to live downtown because we were going to a church downtown and we really bought into that. But that was before we had kids. We actually found out we were pregnant two days before we moved into this house that we live in in downtown. So we had no plans, you know, really to raise our children here. I ended up at this school and because we live in downtown, we don't have access to extremely, you know, great schools. And so we put the girls there more out of convenience than anything, you know, in our opinion. But now I see like it totally was God molding our philosophy of parenting and of education to not seek comfort. That's something that's been a true theme in our life is that my I totally my sin nature would be to run to what's comfortable and to run to what's easy. And God has consistently pushed us out of our comfort zone. And so that's just a theme to kind of hold on to as we go through the story. Um and then really the kind of the the kicking off point was our daughter, one of our daughters was diagnosed in the third grade with dyslexia. And so dyslexia, for those of you that don't know, is a cognitive, a right brain cognitive disorder. It is has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with ability to function. Um, it is diagnosed actually when their high, the IQ is extremely high. And their reading levels, math levels, functioning levels are low. And it shows a disconnect. And so most children with dyslexia, as well as with ADHD, are extremely gifted and talented, mainly because they've had to create all these compensatory strategies. You know, they have to think outside the box um, because their brain is not wired for traditional school. So while the school, when we found this out, I remember grieving the diagnosis because it meant her life was going to be harder and different. It wasn't any akin to my friends who've had children that have had either, you know, major medical issues or whatnot, but it was hard. It was really someone who loves to learn and loves, you know, reading and all that to know that it was going to be harder for her was really hard for us. But we decided at that time that, you know, while the school she was in didn't offer accommodations for her, we were able by the grace of God to provide therapy for her outside of school. And then for her elementary education, you know, our school proved the perfect place where she was seen as a unique child made in the image of God. It's a Christ following school. We knew that while she may not be getting the resources of being pulled out and worked with and having an IEP or a 504 plan, which so many students do have and are good things, 
she was being seen as a child made in the image of God who does not make mistakes by teachers that fiercely loved her. And, you know, that, that was a great place for her. And then we entered the dreaded middle school years. <laughs> so dun, 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 it's kind of where the story begins. So, so really, so that's like God's preparing us through that story. And then I look back and switching to kind of the second point, God's timing of how he orders everything is just amazing to me. So really in 2018, so two years ago, two and a half years ago, I felt like the Lord was calling me away from my work at school. I mentioned it to my mom. I said, Hey, I think the Lord's calling me away. And she was like, okay. And I said, I just, you know, pray because I don't know what that looks like and asked her to pray and said, basically, okay, whatever, Lord, enter my strong will. That can't be true. You know, I'll let you know when I'm ready to go, Lord. So kept on. Then 2019 comes along that next school year. So a year and a half ago, tell my husband, hey, I think God might be calling me away from the school. And again, I remember having that conversation with him and then just kind of said, nope, not yet. Going to do what I want to do and going to enter the strong will. And here I go. Fall of 2019 is when our daughter entered the seventh grade and, and it was hard. I mean, seventh grade, uh, in my opinion, is the hardest year especially for girls. So this is, you know, in our first rodeo with seventh grade, it would be our second for her. And I just remember my older daughter who is um, somewhat, you know, normal functioning, I guess you would say, does not necessarily have any learning differences, struggled. I mean, socially, emotionally, it is a hard, hard, hard time. You add on top of that, that really middle school is kind of where the rubber meets the road and different learning deficits. And so she struggled. I mean, she struggled. It was hard. It was really hard. I mean, to say it's hard, I actually have in my notes, I have hard, hard, hard in all caps written out three times. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. So the first semester, um, this is really the only word I can use, hard. And in January, 2020, a friend actually suggested that we consider homeschooling her. And John and I just looked at each other and both started laughing and we laughed and laughed and laughed and we laughed and we laughed some more. And then like the next day we were like, can you believe they suggested that? And then we started laughing again. I mean, we just, it was so funny to us that anyone would suggest that that's what we were to do. And then March 13th hit and COVID hit and everybody came home. I remember telling the girls when it was, I was March 12th and we were leaving the school and I was like, I want you to clear out everything in your locker. I feel like you're not coming back. I just feel like you're not coming back. I want everything out of your locker. I'll help you get it to the car. And that I guess was prophecy because (laughs) we're on day 321 as I record this of COVID and I still have two children that have not been back to the school. So So yeah, so we began homeschooling virtually, working from home, my husband's office, they all got shut down, we're all at home. And so we start looking um, and decide, you know, we really should consider homeschooling her. And again, we start laughing. And I remember my husband scoffing and going, how can you do that with your job? Because I think I said, like, I need to homeschool her. And he was like, whatever, Molly, like, there's how are you going to do that with your job? And we laughed again. So then May 31st hits and I left my job. <laughs> and while that is a whole different story of God's goodness and his preparing and his faithfulness to keep us in our time frame so that y'all aren't here for three hours, um, I will just say that in a matter of four hours, God made it very clear to me that my time was complete and the door was, it wasn't just shut. I mean, it was slams, like it was shut. So, Financially, we were well cared for. And so we had some time to figure out our next steps. 
July, I actually had planned for a year and a half with my sister and my mom a trip to the national parks, to seven national parks over the course of 16 days to go on this road trip. We we were able to go on that. We went ahead and did it. We figured we're going to the national parks. We'll wear our masks. We're not going to be around people. And then in August... First, we decided to start a business and said, okay, I'm going to do some consulting. I had a few offers of jobs and it just never, none of it seemed right for me. Just none of it seemed right. And so our plan was the girls were going to go back to school in, you know, August and we were going to do for a year. We we're going to at least, you know, keep them at the school for a year and figure out like what's the best thing for them. And our, our oldest decided to stay. She's planning to graduate from the school. Our youngest is still enrolled in the school. And we sent our middle school schooler back who had had such a hard time and said, look, we're going to go back and give mommy and daddy a year to figure this out. Like you're going to give us a year to figure out what we're going to do next. And then on October 1st, <laughs> everything just came to a head and the Lord just made it abundantly clear that we were going to homeschool her. Um, I can't even tell you, like it, I would love to say that it was all this set of circumstances. I can't tell you it was an audible voice. I have had a couple of situations in my life where I could literally hear the audible voice of God telling me to do something, but it was, I woke up that morning and I just knew that we were homeschooling her. And so I remember for the first really two weeks, I couldn't say the word homeschool out loud. I mean, I would say it and then I would be like, yeah, I think we're going to homeschool her. And then I'd be like, whoa, like, I I mean, I literally would feel like I was going to vomit the minute I said it. I had two weeks of just saying it. I called my best friends. I have these women that I do life with that we're on a boxer group with and talk and text every day. And um, actually a couple of them have done storytellers, but I texted them and said, okay, so I never thought these words would ever come out of my mouth ever, but here I am living my best life and we've decided to homeschool our daughter. And so (laughs) they were like, what? And so one of my friends actually was, was called me and was like, okay, look, talk me through this. And so I talked to her for about an hour. And at the end of it, she was like, Molly, who else do you have in your life that's homeschooled? Like, who can you talk to? Because you need to talk to somebody that's done this. I mean, I truly believe this is what you're supposed to do, but you need to talk to that to somebody. And my friend Kathy came into my mind. And so my friend Kathy that I who had been my leader at Winnetoska at camp and was now walking life with, she had homeschooled two of her children. She writes homeschool curriculum for a um, international homeschool association. She teaches at a local school, not the one we started, but one that's very similar. And so I called her and I basically said, look, I know we're supposed to homeschool her. I know this is what we're supposed to do. I don't know how to do it. And I need help. She was like, okay, let's talk. I called my mom and my expectation. I mean, my mom has been nothing but supportive of my life. I mean, really, like I don't want to paint her as someone who has been a naysayer or anything I've done. I mean, mother has always been super supportive. So is my father. My parents are both still living. They're married. have been married for 51 years. But I called my mom and I was thinking she was going to laugh. I was like, she's going to laugh at me for wanting to do this. Like I was nervous about calling her. It's kind of the first time like I came home from being married and I looked at my parents. I was like, they're going to know that I've had sex. I don't know if I can say that or not, but it was that same feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell them this. And I called mother and I said, okay, so look, we've decided y'all need to clip that out. You can. Um, Okay. I said, we decided to, um, homeschool our daughter. And my mom's immediate reaction was, oh, thank God. I've been praying you would make that decision. I've been praying you would make that decision. 
And it, it gave me such a peace that that's what was happening. And so, you know, I, I realized that that's what we were moving towards. And what I will say is in my head, I said, you know what, if I was called to do this, I was in no way equipped to do this. So he, he did call me, but I was not equipped. But looking back on it, I realized that he really was. And at this point, I think it's important to go back and point out how God's faithfulness. So we've talked about his preparation, his timing, and how his faithfulness in this story. You know, I had about two weeks of shock and awe, really, of, oh, gosh, this is happening. And then um, he began showing me that he would prepare me. So I look back on it and I see, you know, he put me in a group of women 20 years ago before I even had my first child dedicated to education. He had me reading books about education that I would have never picked up and read. He introduced me to some philosophies that I was so intrigued by and excited by. And not only that put me, the main philosophy was Charlotte Mason philosophy that I was just amazed by of the inner, the interaction of the, the disciplined and the inspirational. And then he puts in my life a best friend that writes curriculum for Charlotte Mason Institute. Crazy. You know, he brought, he put me in a school where I was for 12 years that I learned all about what core curriculum was needed. I knew exactly what she has to have in high school. I knew what the state says about all of the scope and sequence. I knew what she, I know what she needs for college. I know how to work within the system, but also think outside the box. And he has also shown me how this was all his timing. You know, he brought us home in March in the midst of a horrible year for our daughter so that we could press in and see what she specifically needed. He completely shut the door on my job when I was not willing to walk away from it. He sent me on this journey into the woods with my mom and my sister, really have time to process leaving ministry, but also to process what was needed for our children and for us. And just to be with him, with the Lord, he provided for us financially for four months after I left my job so I could figure out my next step and really rest from 12 years of ministry. He showed me in 24 hours about my next work adventure. I'd had a few offers and nothing had seemed right. Um, had several people tell me I should consider consulting. I came home actually like two days after I left um, the school of friends and Molly, you should consult. John and I immediately were like, no, that's not going to happen. And John was like, no, no way. Mm-mm, she's not going to do that. Well, when we were in our epic adventure, our road trip adventure, I remember calling John from, I think we were in Yellowstone. I'm sitting there watching this elk and I'm on the phone with him and I'm like, hey, I want you to pray about consulting. And he was like, well, I've already, I was like, nope. I just am asking you to pray. Like, I just want you to pray. Like, I'm kind of open a little bit to it. I want you to pray about it. And we're going to set a date of July 31st to talk about it. What do you think? He's like, I will commit to that. So July 31st was looming. July 30th, I go to the pool with my girls and we're sitting there. A friend comes over, a young lady that I had never met, a woman had come over and said, hey, you're Molly. I do a lot of like announcements and stuff at our church. And so, and I have weird hair. And so people recognize me. She came up and introduced herself and I, you know, I was like, okay, Lord, inter, you know, a divine intervention. So I went over and sat next to her and I said, so tell me what you do. And she said, well, I'm a marketing consultant. I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. And so she started telling me about consulting and I mentioned to her that I had several people mention that I should try that. And she was like, oh my gosh, you'd be perfect at it. And this is how you do it. And this is who you, what your first step is. And this is how you charge. And I was able to ask her all these questions. And so I walked out of that and 
was, um, had been texting with a friend, not about consulting at all. This friend also is a, a lawyer in town. She texted me back and said, Hey, for some reason, the Lord just like nudged me to, to see if I need to help you set up a consulting business. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? And so got with her with that, that, that afternoon had another friend call talking about, we have our daughters, our oldest daughters or our friends had her call me to talk about something the girls were doing that evening. And I said, Hey, aren't you a consultant? And she was like, yeah, I'm a marketing consultant. I was like, okay, tell me more about that. So she told me a little bit more. I get home that night, John comes in and he's like, Hey, I know we're not supposed to talk about this until tomorrow, but I'm just gonna go tell you, I think you should consult. And he didn't know any of the conversations. And my response to him was, John, okay, so this is what the Lord's done this day. Like I can tell you how to start it. I can tell you what I need to do. I know all the paperwork and all of that, but where do you get clients? Like, I don't even know how to get clients for this. And he was like, well, we just need to pray about that. The next morning I wake up and my phone rings and it's a guy that I used to work with through a local nonprofit. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing right now? And I was like, well, I mean, right now I'm making a cup of coffee. And he was like, well, no, what are you doing? Like with your career? And I said, well, I mean, I'm considering consultant. He goes, really? I said, yeah. He goes, good. Cause I was calling you to tell you, I want to hire you as my marketing consultant. I was like, okay. I said, well, okay, let's get together early next week about that. He said, all right. 45 minutes later, I get an email from a friend from graduate school who works in a local nonprofit. Hey, I heard that you're on the market. What are you doing right now? I was like, well, I don't know. I was thinking about consulting. She goes, oh, praise the Lord. I was going to call you and see if you would do some nonprofit consulting for us. I need some fun development consulting work. I was like, okay. So there was two second opportunity. Third opportunity, a guy I used to work with is at another school and he calls and goes, hey, we need some college and career advice over here and some work over here. Can I hire you as a consultant? That was within 24 hours. And so that night we were at dinner cheering to the new business and within a month it was started. And so what was incredible about that is not only did that happen, I was able to, I I can work my own schedule. Like I can homeschool because I can be at home. You know, I can work from home. I can do stuff. So October 1st, we decided to homeschool our daughter. God put a friend in my path, you know, my friend Kathy, I call her. She's written curriculum for homeschoolers. As I said, her sister has written curriculum for um, girl, for students who have learning differences. I mean, all these things come. We decide that we're going to prepare our curriculum and kind of get our ducks in a row. And on January 4th, I withdrew our daughter from school and she started homeschooling. I will tell you, this is real time. It's not easy. This has not been an easy path. God has been faithful. He's been so kind in this and been so gentle. I always think about Psalm 40. It says, he will gently lead those who are with young. He pulls the lambs into his arms and he gently leads the moms. He has been gentle and kind in this, but it is not all rainbows and unicorns. We have our moment. But just last night, I got a text from our daughter sent to me and to Kathy, our homeschool coach, who instead, I just want to let y'all know I've really enjoyed the lessons this week and I'm really enjoying homeschooling. And from where we were even four weeks ago of falling into the rhythms and the patterns to see that maturation in her and to see where she's starting to buy in and it's, we're getting into the rhythm and flow. Ironically or not ironically, I don't believe in irony as a Christian. The verse that I used for years at the school with our seniors when they were having a freak out. And if you're a mother of a senior, just get ready. If it hadn't happened yet, they will have a freak out. Um, there were always tears. I would always go to Jeremiah 29, 11. 
And I think so many times as Christians, we read that and we take the promise of it. So I'll just, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and future. And as Christians and as as humans, we cling to the promises at the end of that, right? Future and hope. We say it's, it's not for evil, for future and a hope. And so many times we look at what the Lord is promising and we read that is, I know the plans you have for you, <laughs> says the Lord. Or I know the plans your mama has for you, says the Lord. Or I know the plans that your husband has for you. And we forget that the true promise in that is I know the plans I have for you. And so I would always, um, and I realize that this is recording, so y'all can't see me, but I would always look at our kids and I would say, are you coming to the Lord with your fist grip, with your palms pointed down going, okay, Lord, here are my plans. I'm going to put them in your hands and I'm going to trust you to do it. Or here are my plans. I'm not going to let go of them. I am not willing to let go of them. And for so many years, I've operated in that place of I'm holding on to my plans. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to trust you're going to bless it. And what I realize now and what I used to, what I preach to the kids and now I'm preaching to myself is that that verse is a, you're coming to the Lord with your palms upheld and your hands out flat saying, Lord, you know, the plans you have for me to prosper me, to not harm me, to give me hope in a future. And I'm going to trust you in that. As a young child, I always struggled. I mentioned with just rage and shame and feeling like I was never enough and I wasn't understood. As a mother, I have struggled with that in this process of coming to homeschooling. 2020 has been hard. And I will also say we have so many friends who it has been so much harder. We have friends whose marriages are crumbling. We have friends who are in active addiction. We have friends who are struggling and our struggles of what we've walked through with this decision and loss of a job and all of that does not really compare. But for us, it's been a storm. And I always think about Jesus when he speaks over the waters and he just speaks and says, peace. What type of peace is that? We think of peace as you know comfort. And it's not that. It's the lack of of chaos. It's a being, shalom. It's as it should be, right? That is the type of peace that he speaks. And I think about that verse, and this is what I'll leave you with, that verse in Micah. It's Micah 5. I don't have this written down. It's Micah 5, 4, and 5. And it says, and he shall be their peace. And that is the story. It's God's timing, his preparation, his faithfulness in the midst of a storm. And he continues to say, Molly, open your hands, present them to me, and I will be your peace. You know, Molly's story is really our first story of 2020, Mm -hmm. of something God did in that time frame Mm -hmm. that I think so many of us can relate. We've kind of joked within storytellers that we know that When this pandemic comes to an end, we will have a slew of stories (laughs) Uh of 
God's faithfulness yes. and all these things Molly talked about. And this is that story. Yeah. Yeah. And it, didn't you love how you could hear her kids in the background? Right. I mean, it was like, yes. we're like, we're not going to edit that out because yes. that's real life. Yes. You have your kids at home. And and she was she was saying, you don't know how many times a daughter, my daughter's walked in. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, no way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so she was communicating with the homeschool coach. Yes. And it was just real life. And we yes. appreciate real life. Mm-hmm. I, I was really drawn to Molly's beginning of her story and, mm-hmm. and just listening at the little dots along the way, the fact that she saw from an early age the need for a different style of education and and just how God kind of created that desire in her mm-hmm. at a young age and even through her own experiences so that she could do all this for her daughter later yeah. on. Like I love mm-hmm. that tie back. Mm-hmm. And one you know, one of the things when we work with storytellers on sharing their stories is that you go back all the way to childhood mm-hmm. and write down these moments. And it's funny because we hear them as listeners and you're like, well, that seems so obvious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it seems so obvious that she was going to be called to mm-hmm. homeschool her mm-hmm. daughter. But it's not, you mm-hmm. know, when you're living in the, life, midst of it. Mm-hmm. in the midst of it, it's not until you look back that you can see where he was all along mm-hmm. the way preparing you. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the ending of her story that just really spoke to me of just finding Jesus, the peace of mm-hmm. Jesus in the midst of chaos. And she referred to, you know, being Peter and, you know, <laughs> relating to him and mm-hmm. his characteristics. And she goes into this a lot more in detail in the story within the story of just finding the peace of God in the middle of, of the storm. But, you know, one of the things, if you go back and read Matthew 14, um, that is the story of Peter stepping out of the boat. And for me, I never realized this, but Jesus told the disciples to go on ahead in the boat. And he sat up there and watched a storm come in and he allowed the storm to come in. And then he walked to them mm-hmm. and they found him in the midst of that. And the, and the waters were calm. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Peter said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out and step out of the water onto the water. And he said, step out. And of course, we know the story. Peter stepped out and he walked on water. But then he began to sink because he right. took his eyes off of Jesus. And it's so easy to allow the the chaos of this world mm-hmm. to take our eyes off of him. Mm-hmm. But he's right there with us. He's preparing us. His timing is perfect. And wow, he's faithful. And that was the beautiful reminder of Molly's story. And, you know, it's it's no matter the size of your story, too. Mm-hmm. You know, she referenced even having friends whose marriages are falling apart yeah. and addictions. and But what they're walking through is their storm. Yeah. And she says that. And so, you know, I think it's so easy for us to disqualify our stories because they don't seem big. They don't seem tragic mm-hmm. or traumatic. And guess what? They don't have to mm-hmm. be. You can have your own storm within your home that is having a child with dyslexia and choosing to homeschool. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is huge in your mm-hmm. life and That's what right. you're walking through. Mm-hmm. And so you know, every we That's say it all we the time. say your story your matters. <laughs> exactly. So we thank you for listening to Molly's story today. We would love for you to share it with a friend, especially, you know, in this time where homeschooling is becoming a big option mm-hmm. that people never expected mm-hmm. or dyslexia. We love when you share our stories, pass them along mm-hmm. to a friend, even hop online and you can subscribe, not only subscribe to our podcast, but rate and review. Mm-hmm. It's Please. really helpful for other people to find yeah. Storytellers Lab podcast when you do that. So thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye.